Okay. We are on right now. Very interesting show. Uh, co-hosting with uh, Segui Fernandez, uh, who is on her way to the microphone. Uh, accident, traffic, no one's hurt, but it's California, so that stuff happens. Uh, we are talking today about a man that has become very, very dear to my heart. Uh, Kevin Cooper uh, has been on death row for over 30 years. Um, and he is very innocent. Five federal judges have actually said he's innocent publicly. And he's still on death row. And that is one of the sickest stories I have ever seen or heard in my life. Uh, one of the most racist stories, uh, the most racist outside of actual murder, outright cold-blooded murder of one of us. And uh, every time I, I, I actually have visions of him suffering in there, I can't even imagine what he is, what he is day in, day out, day in, day out. Uh, he was nearly, ex- nearly executed in 2004. And uh, it's, it's just it's, uh, unfair is not the word. Ridiculous. Unconscionable. I, I don't think there's a word in the English language to actually describe it, but uh, man alive. Anyways, so we have some very interesting uh, developments going on right now. One being the UN just publicly supported Kevin Cooper and He is supported now by Amnesty International, uh, former governors who actually executed people, I think at least one or two. Um, And now the UN is on his side. So it's kind of, well, we're we're at an end game here. Uh, we're close to an end game. Either I think him getting out, or the other thing I don't want to think about with uh, Prop 66 passing in California, making the death penalty uh, stronger. And uh, I mean, again, he was four hours away from being killed. And uh, there's a there's a uh, essay on Kevin SaveKevinCooper.org that I'll read from a little later, but it describes how close he came, and it was written next. It was written by him, and it's uh, one of the most heart-wrenching things I've ever read. He still suffers from PTSD. Uh, from that, and uh, 
I can't imagine again, like when Prop 66 passed. You know, geez. Uh, thankfully, well, not, uh, well, I, again, I, I don't want to. I'm at the point with him and the situation and the system at large. It's, we need to be more proactive than reactive, but at the same time, uh, yeah, we're still working with the law, so it's a delicate dance. It's a dance I hate doing, but it's a delicate dance. Um, and uh, here's uh, Segui right now. Uh, you on with us, Ms. Fernandez? Yep. I'm there here. You Can you hear me? Uh, loud and clear. Awesome. So who else is you- on with us? Uh, we have, I've been, uh, I've tweeted and Facebooked the links. Uh, I figured we'd just start with the two of us to explain why we're on today and uh, what's happening today. I haven't let the cat out of the bag yet. I'm waiting for you, of course. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. But, yeah. Okay, this well, is- first we'll just kind of, I'll do the spiel of who, uh, together we stand is and then you can sort of let everybody know what we are up to today um so uh together we stand is a nonprofit, and we are um working to dismantle racism discrimination and police brutality nationwide through education advocacy and legislation and um we're very excited to do this show today to talk about our criminal criminal justice system because <laughs> it is exactly that, criminal. And uh, if you're a person of color, it is not a just system. So I will let you... Hey. ...reasons for doing the show. Yeah. Uh, well... We actually have, uh, with the help of uh, some friends, what is the, the saying goes, with a help, little help from your friends, uh, the Beatles. Uh, we have an action going on right now, uh, and it's worldwide, uh, which is pretty cool. And the action actually is there are folks calling in right now uh, to the San Bernardino uh, Sheriff's Department uh, actually confessing to the crime that M- Mr. Cooper was illegally uh, convicted of. Uh, and the reason being, for one, uh, anybody on this planet is about as... or Anybody on this planet has as good a chance uh, to have committed those murders as he did. Uh, I don't care if you were born or not in 1983, but that's the whole point. Uh, the only reason he was pegged uh, is because he was black. He escaped from a minimum security prison after a burglary charge, which he did commit. Uh, and it was a four-year sentence. And when he escaped, through the bad luck that uh, brothers and sisters have had, 
the last 500 years. Right next door to his hideout, the there was this horrible, 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 horrible uh, quadruple murder, and the lone survivor was an eight-year-old boy named Josh, and he told cops on multiple occasions that it was three Hispanic or white males, uh, and he said that multiple times. One of those times, the uh, police actually broached down what he said, of course, taking a statement from the bone survivor, and they ripped up the piece of paper. Or he, the particular uh, officer ripped up the piece of paper. And <laughs> then uh, they, once they found out that Kevin Cooper had escaped from jail, uh, they went right after him and forgot the, oh, yeah, three men have had to commit this crime because no one would have been able to murder four people that fast and get out of the house. And there is, uh, on savekevincooper.org, there is a uh, information on the case, including the 100-page uh, dissent letter uh, that five federal judges wrote uh, in basically in public defense uh, of publicly defending Kevin Cooper uh, preaching to his innocence, which is unprecedented, especially for a black man in this country. And uh, that's on, it's over a hundred pages. The one I have that just loaded up on my computer, the same thing, but uh, you know, computers uh, and devices load differently. It's like 114 pages when I put it on my computer. That's how long and ridiculous the case is. On my uh, Twitter, there's a pinned tweet uh, at Nolan Hack, N-O-L-A-N-H-A-T-K. Uh, that describes uh, how ridiculous the case is and how intelligent Kevin is, which is more depressing. Um, and he's a, he's the man's a, a great artist. Uh, he's an intellectual. I say this all the time. Uh, he, you could go to colleges around the country, which I have uh, here and there, and go into classes and say, well, Kevin's smarter than that professor, and Kevin's smarter than that professor. That's just in how intelligent and uh, awake he is. Uh, and it's just so darn depressing that he's been in there for that long and now he has another life-threatening emergency. And with 66 passing, uh, the death penalty is even stronger and the governor was waiting for these propositions to pass or fail. 62, which would have killed the death penalty, failed. 66, which strengthened the death penalty, passed. And uh, we're talking about another emergency, that, just like in 2004. But thank God there has not been a scheduled date for the execution. Uh, and we just have to hope that stays that way. And uh, the amazing efforts of Kevin's legal team and uh, the advocates uh, of him pay off and he's given a new trial because the first trial was out of slave times. All the evidence is either destroyed or thrown out the window or not not, uh, admitted and uh, here we are 30 some years later and evidence is still being blocked. 
in part uh, by uh, the uh, crime bill that was passed in 94. There's a terrorism clause that blocks habeas corpus. So it made, it's made it that much harder for Kevin to get a new trial and get any justice. Uh, but I've, uh, I've talked to Kevin on multiple occasions uh, and I've gotten, he writes letters myself, but getting other people to write letters to him and you can please do that. Uh, either send it to San Quentin. I think you have to write his uh, lockup number. I can't even remember the exact term for it, but uh, easier for you to send him, send him to me through DM on Twitter or uh, at NolanAWHack uh, at gmail.com. N-O-L-A-N-A-W-H-A-C-K at gmail.com. And I will literally uh, go to the post office for you because he said uh, many times uh, that the support that he has been given, especially after the moratorium for death row uh, lifted early this year uh, and the case got more popular, it's uh, kept him going and kept his hope uh, high, which is extraordinary. Uh, And we're talking about a situation where we're uh, it's we're we're near the we're near the end basically. This is the, I don't like hyperbole, uh, but I don't like not telling the full truth either. And uh, he's on the top of their list. He's been on death row for ten years longer than anybody who's been executed in California since 1978. Uh, so we need to do everything we can to help him. And that's writing letters to him. That's writing letters to the governor, uh, asking for clemency. Um, and, uh, that's doing acts, doing actions and doing, uh, things like live from death row where he, uh, calls in, uh, from death row, it takes them a month to get the phone. But if you contact people on the website, savekevincooper.org, you can set one up anywhere in the country, anywhere around the world, I would imagine. Uh, there's a, the tricky part is uh, you have to sign up for a specific uh, service to the prison, which is not the hardest thing in the world, but I just, I'm not sure if you can do it internationally. I would imagine you can't. But point being... Uh, Anything and everything you can do for this man, please do. Uh, and, you know, I'll just what, put it out there. Ahead. You know, there's probably a lot of people out there that hear something like this and say, yeah, right, yeah, right. You know, they don't believe that somebody could be on death row for this long and be innocent. But you know what? I have challenged many, many people who have come to me with that type of attitude to read up on this specific case. And not one of them has come back still agreeing that he should be in jail and that he is, in fact, guilty. Every single one has, in fact, changed their mind and also really been sort of awakened to the the realities of what can happen to particularly 
uh, black men in our criminal justice system. And, uh, you know, I just challenge anyone who is skeptical as to the information that we're giving you today to please just do the research and, and then make your choice, make your decision. Um, I, I just want to put that challenge out there because I know that um, even for myself, prior to getting into uh, the level of social justice work that I do now, I did not realize how, how bad it was. I mean, my dad was a Black Panther, and I still did not truly realize the depth um, of corruption and um, just the, the reality that um, evidence uh, does not matter and uh, really can uh, be skewed I however think we gotta, they would like it. We got a one sec. Not to tell you off. We got a call in here. One second. Oh, Let's okay, see who we no got. Problem. Welcome. How are you doing? And what's your name? Hello? It's 917. We got New York on the line. Who we got? Nobody? Somebody? Cointel Pro? Anybody? Okay. Well, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> finish your, oh, your uh, well-thought-out thought. <laughs> uh, you know, my, my whole point was just that, you know, we – we grow up in this country um, with a certain sense of belief in our our law enforcement and um, and in our criminal justice system to sort of take care of the good guys and deal with the bad guys and um, it's it's truly been a frightening eye opener for me uh, the more that I do um, each day in this work, you know, and as I said, my dad was a black Panther. I mean, he stood on the front lines, uh, you know, protecting families who were, you know, moving into uh, white neighborhoods so that they wouldn't be killed and burned in their sleep. Like I grew up understanding that that was a reality, but I did not realize um how it's evolved um, into a system of just true uh, legalized corruption, it seems, um, that our, our, our system has found a way to, to, to legalize their refusal to conduct proper investigations, their refusal to... Uh, investigate themselves in an appropriate manner. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And I just cannot imagine if Kevin Cooper was my father, how I would be feeling. And, you know, you just have to put that out there into people's minds. Like, this could be your father, your brother, your Mm -hmm. son. And, you know, if you're a black person in America – this is a reality that you may face someday, sadly. And to not do something now because it isn't affecting your immediate family is, you know, a great injustice to our people, period. And it's just uh, unfathomable to me. 
uh, we, we can no longer be a society in which we are worried about ourselves as individuals. That's just not not acceptable, and we will never affect the change we need to affect if if we continue to to move ourselves in in that manner. So. And that's uh, I remember talking to Kevin uh, the first uh, live from Death Row that I was a part of uh, in L.A. And uh, well, the, the first the first one I was a part of, they took the phone away from him because another inmate uh, took uh, or jumped at guard, uh, and everybody paid for it, so nobody had privileges of any kind, and uh, we were all disappointed, but we. I mean, more importantly, Kevin was seriously disappointed. Um, and, well, long story short, uh, then months later in L.A., he uh, called in and he, the most important thing was doing it for Kevin and giving him a place uh, to speak his voice and, and give him some kind of joy, which we were able to do. And I, one of the most proud things I've ever been able to take part in, but he, he told me, uh, I mean, this is something I say as well. It's weird to have someone else say it. But uh, he said, you know, the system has to go. The system has to go, and we have to be the ones to take it down. Um, and that's the tough part is getting our own people to do that because obviously it's not, it's not easy to do, and it's, there's, a, there's fear there. And then the other part is, there's that myth of reverse racism. I've, you know, I've been called a black supremacist before, which is laughable. Uh, but I, I would, speaking of which, actually, this is this correlates to uh, the show and Kevin and, and today's action and everything. I read a study put out by the, uh, I think, the University of Toronto, and it shows white people lack empathy for colored people in the brain, in their brain. That's, that's terrifying, but that's, you know, if you'd like, but the point is it's to wait around uh, and also try to educate, you know, white America at large is a, well, it's a waste of time for a lack of, lack of, uh, and it's, I mean, I'm, I'm half white, uh, Segby's half white, and that's tough to kind of, that's a tough place to accept because you're basically going, okay, well, we have to skip over, uh, you know, the people that are in privilege and are in power, but also who are our friends and our family. Uh, but this is also what, Martin Luther King said. This is also what uh, Malcolm X said. This is also what uh, Bobby Seale said and Kathleen Cleaver. And I'm not about to discount the words and the actions that have made things at least easier in in, uh, some important uh, parts of our life in this country. And they've done so much just for our own confidence and our own well-being and self-determination. But it, it does. It, it does have to be us. It has to be us as a 
as black people, native people, Arab people, colored people, uh, any oppressed person in this country. And that, that includes white women because women are ridiculously oppressed in this world and in this country. Uh, 18% of women are sexually assaulted. And that's double for indigenous. That's, it may be more than double, but it's at least double for indigenous women. The stats for native, all sorts of native issues are skewed. But the point is, we have to get going. And at least with Trump winning, like, I, like we talked about the other day, it wakes, it's waking us up for the first time. And uh, I guess since Trayvon and, and Mike Brown were killed, but then you go even back further, you know, 50 years ago in this, during the civil rights movement. Um, but Kevin uh, is such an incredible individual, and it's an utter shame that we have to <laughs> we have to see this man suffer uh, inside a, a literal cage uh, where he's there for 23 hours a day, and it's absolutely despicable what he has to go through and the things that he has written about. And I'll bring one of those things up in uh, a matter of seconds, because I think it's important that people hear his story. And obviously we're talking about it right now, but the guy is again, so intelligent and articulate. Uh, not to use the white people's word for describing any intelligent black person, but this is this is called uh, three hours and 42 minutes. I won't read the whole thing because it's long, and it, it's, I'm glad it's long because it's amazing, but I'll just read uh, a couple ex- excerpts from it. Between uh, December 17, 2003, and February 9, 2004, all of these things that I mentioned uh, kept on happening repeatedly. Uh, and to fill you guys in, being strip searched uh, daily, having his arms uh, checked for which vein to put the lethal injection into. Um, and this is Kevin again. Uh, it was the prison's way of breaking me down, making me submit to their will to execute me, trying to kill my will to live. During all of this time, I'd stopped watching my TV or listening to my radio. I did this. I did read my favorite book at that time, once again, possibly for the last time. That was the late Howard Zinn's A People's History of the United States, 1492 to Present. Because I didn't watch any TV or listen to the radio, mostly because I did not want to hear the lies that the media would tell about me, don't state saying how I deserve to be executed. I did not learn about the new witnesses that that came forth on my behalf with evidence that proved the state did violate my constitutional rights by withholding material explanatory evidence, as well as people who saw, and again, it has been said by Josh Ryan, it's documented, three white men, three white men, three white men, three white men, Uh, but they got Kevin instead as well as people who saw three white men with blood on them the night of the murders in the bar, not far from the crime scene. The attorneys from the law firm, Oric, who, by the way, are incredible, and they're working for Kevin pro bono, and they have been this whole time. And uh, 
ball form aura kept coming to see me and updating me on what we're doing to save what they were doing to save my life. But I honestly did not believe they could stop the state from murdering me, even though I did and still believe in them. And I'll just skip forward a little bit. Uh, on February 9th, 2004, 2004, I had quite a few visitors. Reverend uh, Jesse Jackson came to visit me. He had been out in California trying to get then-Governor Schwarzenegger not to execute me. Even before that date, different people were coming to California trying to help me. Most I didn't know about at the time. Former boxing uh, champion, uh, the late Reuben Hurricane Carter came down from Canada to ask the governor not to execute me. With all these things and others that were trying to stop the state from murdering me, I was, for the most part, walking in a daze. As for the week of the 9th, that was execution, uh, scheduled execution date. I had been moved once again by the prison staff. I was moved from the east block where I was assigned to uh, north segregation. Uh, that was the original death row chamber. East block was for the overflow. North Seg, as, as it's called, is placed over the gas chamber, uh, the death chamber. The death chamber waiting room is 10 feet away from that chamber. It was changed to be used in lethal injections, but it was still in the shell of a gas chamber, and the fact it could be used as a gas chamber if an inmate requested that type of death, my gosh. I've read this like five times every Jeez. The days that I was in and been in for most of the time that I had received the death warrant was something that is so hard to describe. The real life and death situation that I found myself in was hard to believe, yet it was most definitely happening to me. It was like in a nightmare, but it was reality. It was surreal, but yet it was very, very real. I'd lost a great deal of weight. I'd never been a large person by weight, but what I did weigh before all the man-made madness started I lost. I was so skinny from not eating that my clothes, especially my pants, kept falling from my waist. I didn't and couldn't sleep. Some of it was because those guards and shrinks kept coming in to the cell at all different times of the day and asking me stupid questions like, am I all right? The other part was, why, why sleep when I could be executed and I'd sleep forever? I was under a great deal of emotional stress, mental anguish, and psychological torture, and it was all at the same time. I guess you could say I was scared, but trying to be brave, not just for me, but for my friends as well. I'll skip forward a little bit uh, to the nitty-gritty part. Uh, This part was about uh, David Alexander, my friend, and uh, one of Kevin's lawyers actually saved him from what was it, three hours and 42 minutes away from death. Um, so this, here we go. Right at 6 o'clock, we were told that visiting was over, and it was. My visitors were escorted out of the room. I remained alone for a couple minutes. Then I was escorted to the rear of the visiting room, Before I entered that door to go back, one of my visitors named Zanetta told me to stay strong and she would see me in the morning. Then I was taken to the rear of the visiting room and placed in a cage and told to take off all my clothes. Once again, I was stripped shirts and then given another set of clothes and shoes to put on. 
I was there, then placed in waist chains and told to go back in the cage I was in. At the time, I was surrounded by 16 guards because they need that many guards for one guy. Right. Uh, they formed two lines, which had eight guards on each side, and I was in the middle. The leader was in the front of the line, and then we marched outside the visiting room search area to the door of the execution waiting room. This had to be about 100 yards or so, but not in a straight line. Once this part gets me every time. He says, once we got to the death chamber waiting room door, I realized that I had been passing this door twice a day for about a week and didn't even know this was the door to the death chamber. We were made to wait outside the door for about 15 minutes, but it seemed much, much longer than the door opened. And we went inside. I was told to place my back against the wall, which I did. These 16 guards that escorted the death chamber Escaped, uh, that these 16 guards that escorted me to the death chamber waiting room turned around and filed out of the room. They left the room in a single fire just like, file, just like they were trained to do. I was left to stand with my back up against the wall for a short period of time. It was past 6.30. I looked at that large wall clock that was on the wall, knowing that with each passing minute, my life was ticking away. I was then surrounded by 12 executioners. Two were very big black men. The West were uh, worthy, uh, all white men. The West were uh, all white men. Uh, the leader of the executioners was a very large white man with a bald head. I haven't seen that before. Uh, I did recognize him from having worked in the East Block where I was housed. Then all at once, it hit me that these were the same guards that were inside the doctor's office when I was taken for the blood pressure check. I was told to slowly take off my clothes, and I did. During my stay in prison, I'd become a great reader of black history. In doing so, I learned about slavery within this world and country and how black people were treated. I learned about the auction block where slaves were inspected before they were sold off to die on some plantation. Though I had read about this, I was truly unprepared for what was about to happen to me at the hands of these volunteer executioners. After I took off all my clothes, the lead executioner kicked my clothes that were laying on the floor in front of my naked body away from me. He kicked them over to another wall. Just, uh, he kicked them over to another wall just like someone would kick a soccer ball. I was made to move uh, into the middle of the room. And it was so cold just inside that, that death. Go ahead. What? I mean, I'm just listening to this, and I mean, I can't imagine. I cannot imagine treating, you know, the most evil animal in such a way. And it's just, I mean, heartbreaking. It's just heartbreaking that this man has experienced this you know, for how many years? It's just, uh, I mean, the the fact that he keeps his will and his strength going is just, uh, you know, absolutely uh, amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it, it's, it's, it's pretty. It's a miracle, honestly. It's uh, uh 
Yeah, it, it gets, I mean, it, it, it's... It, mm-hmm. No, go ahead. I, it, it gets to me every time I think about all the things he's been through and what he's going through now. Uh, it's and, just, and, and based on something that he, he did not do and that, I mean, we have you know, excellent judges that, you know, have come on his behalf to say this, this man is not guilty, should not be on death row, you know, and yet here we are, here we are. Um, Governor Brown, what the hell are you doing about this? You know, this is totally unacceptable. Like, this is not acceptable. This is not justice. Um, you know, I was part of a book um, that was published um, this year on June 19th called Why Black Lives Matter Too. And our proceeds all went to uh, the Sentencing Project, which is an amazing organization uh, founded in 1986. And, uh, you know, all they do is, is work for a fair and effective criminal justice system um, by promoting reforms in sentencing policy and addressing you know, unjust racial disparities and practices and advocating for alternatives to incarceration. And, you know, Kevin Cooper's case is like, as extreme as it gets and 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 yet here we are and there's so many people on uh you know fighting on his behalf and it it seems to be falling on on deaf ears i don't know how someone um can have the power to stop this and, and simply not do it um it's it's it, it's beyond me um it's beyond me but you know it, we see this in you know cases every day not to this extreme i i, I mean i literally today um have you know heard from two people who are members of our organization who are reaching out on behalf of people that they know who um have been in jail just in the last week um uh, and, and and you know the stories that i'm getting are horrifying and it's just like you know somebody is innocent right until they're proven guilty right and and mm-hmm. e- even if they're proven guilty they're um allowed uh the process of appeals they're allowed to be treated like human beings correct i mean it doesn't you know, a guilty verdict does not now say that uh, prison guards can uh, abuse you um, in any way that they feel treat you like you're nothing. I mean, we have a case right now um, where a young man, Saladin Barton, was murdered um, by the Broome County Sheriff uh, uh, in uh in New York, and uh, he was effectively starved to death uh, uh, over months and uh, brutally beaten many times and um, improperly medicated. Um, they screwed with him because, you know, he did suffer from uh, mental illness, and it's just like the, the stories that 
that I hear, and it's just like it's it's unbelievable. And you you were right. Like when you were reading before the, what Kevin said, this, that this system does need to be completely just taken down. I mean, people ask me how do we fix it? Well, we take it. It ha- it can't be fixed. It needs to be just taken apart, completely just de- demolished and rebuilt because. The system as it is now is working just fine because it is doing exactly what it was designed to do back in the day when, you know, it was being put together. I mean, we live in a country where people want to recognize it, where uh, white supremacy and the oppression of people of color has been how how everybody rolls. This is just what everything was built upon. It was abolished, but I mean, people are still being uh, abused and mistreated and oppressed, and you know that there is absolutely no equality in this country at all, whatsoever. Um, a good friend of uh, our organization is just had someone contact me today saying that he is in jail. Uh, he has been there for over a week. Um, they have not given him a blanket, a sheet, a mattress, My no socks, gosh. no no personal hygiene. Uh, he's been jumped twice out of view of the cameras. And that's another thing in the Broome County Jail. There's been two deaths in, in two years, and um, I've spoken to numerous people who have been inmates there, Um that you know at at different times that don't know one another all uh bringing up the same people's names and the same sort of situations these these officers know where the cameras are they know exactly where to do things so that things aren't aren't recorded and you know i mean he he's been told that that they're going to have people stab him this guy that that I'm was just speaking of. So he's sitting in jail, um, reaching out, asking that, you know, we call uh, on his behalf to, to try to get him at least a sheet and a mattress and, and some sort of personal hygiene and, and, and just to let people know that, yeah, he's there, his life matters and being threatened. I mean, it's just disgusting. It's, it's, well, it's, that's you said it. I mean, I'm glad you said it because I was going to say something. <laughs> uh, the system was designed this way. That, I mean, I, uh, I had a a, a friend uh, who was at Cameron University, but uh, on the East Coast, talking about the uh, Adelphi University. John Kane is a wonderful radio host and, and Native activist as well, and he was speaking about. Uh, a screening they did, the doctrine, the doctrine of discovery, unmasking the domination code, and <laughs> the thing you have to this day, the papable, that doctrine of discovery has not been repealed. That thing states it gives Christian and Catholic white men license to do whatever whatever they want to us at any time. If, you, if you're not Christian, if you're not, if you're not a white Christian person, you're not, a, you're not a human being. 
and that's how they went to Africa and are still looting our land and killing our people. And uh, of course, Turtle Island here, same deal. Uh, and the the Constitution itself uh, was stolen from the Iroquois, the Iroquois Nation. It was stolen from the Iroquois. And we have a call right now. Uh, let's see. Here we go. Hello. How are you? Who? What's your name? Yes. Yes. How are you doing today? How are you? I'm fine. What's your name, man? Yes, my name is Brother Depart, calling out of uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Philadelphia. Good Pennsylvania. to have you on. Good well, to have you well, on, well. sir. Right, right. Um, yes, uh, uh, name, name. All right, I see the topic. I see the title. Um, I see what it's making. And um, I talk about these things a lot myself. I talk to other brothers and sisters, you know what I mean, throughout the state. So I have a blog talk radio show myself. I've been out sometimes. Um, social media, and, and I talk about um, in co- a concentrated effort from, uh, from, from from the white elite uh, in, in terms of bringing back our institutionalized slavery system, and uh, also the um, the you know the total division between uh, black men and black women um, in the black community, you know. Um, that there's just so many systems into place. And, and I've also talked about uh, a new uh, regime uh, that's been here for some time, but something that they want to push. You know, whether it's George Soros with the movement Black Lives Matter um, and the Black Lives Matter movement, right? With, with, with that movement is funded by the Jews. All of that is playing a role uh, into... Um, the, this extermination process, and I and I talk about this over and over again with many Black Americans, and a lot of them would say, you know, it's sort of a conspiracy. And if you notice, you mentioned the prison uh, incarceration system. Yeah, the numbers are high, but what is not being mentioned is that uh, a lot of Black men, as quiet as it's kept, are not filling up the jails fast enough. So this is why you have a lot of police shooting down different black men. Now, you do have black men that are engaging in crime, that are doing things that they have no business doing, and then, of course, mm-hmm. that gives the police the reason to shoot them. I understand that there's basically a purge going on. I've been talking about this for a long time. Uh, many people have said I was, you know, talking crazy. Uh, you recently had a black brother shot in Chicago about two or three days ago. He was just driving down, driving by a got shot about five, six, seven times by undercover police. You had a sister that was an Uber driver in Los Angeles. Cops claimed that she was driving away. They shot her car 11 times. We had another sister that recently got killed in jail. They tried to say the sister was resisting arrest, and they killed this woman with handcuffs on her. As they were taking her out of prison, transporting her to another facility. Um, yes, uh, Corinne Gaines, another situation. Oh, yeah. Yes, so I, I just wanted to mention uh, these different elements. Now, you're talking about prison because I want to know, I mean, is that the only thing? Does that, does that override um, this extermination that's happened? Now, maybe I know it may sound. Everywhere you go, you keep hearing people say, well, he might have had a gun, she might have had a gun, they might have had a gun. There's just too many black people dying for me to believe. And then you see this Trump presidency, the Donald Trump thing, right? Mm-hmm. 
right. So again, I'm not talking. You know, I'm. And I don't know. I, I still speak to some people that will, I guess, that I can connect with. That you know, but I know that there's a purge going on. And I talked about this four, five, six years ago. That the, that, 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 the, that the white man and the, the Europeans, the white people over here, are going to want to bring down the numbers of black men because they want to re, they want to uh, um, destabilize the black community. So basically, okay. them denying black men un, uh, employment, that wasn't good enough. Uh, them locking black men up, it wasn't good enough because you see black men, black people are still having children. I don't care if the community in certain areas are dysfunctional, black folk are not going away. The numbers of African-American people are still heavy. I don't care what the other people are trying to say. So, uh, uh, and then also you got this new deal. I just want to just, I just want to touch on that. I mean, there's other stuff like, um, uh, uh, Mary... Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah keep going. You, you cut out for a second. Keep going. Oh, okay. I, I... Right, there, there's other stuff like Mary Giuliani. Mary Giuliani, yeah. he's the mayor of New York City. Donald Trump just got in. Now, Donald Trump was talking about something for the black community called the New Deal. Okay? You can go look up the available. You talk about the New Deal, which to me is it, crazy because I, I've never seen black folks get a good deal. If black folks did get a good deal, we would not be having this conversation now. So, mm-hmm. uh, Mayor, I think it's important because uh, under Obama presidency, to me, I'm not saying black people get killed more. I, I personally feel that a lot of, I got, there's too many numbers, more black folks. Especially black men and women, but a lot of black men have died under this Obama presidency, under a black male or biracial male, whatever. You know, they said we civilize them as black. We take them in as a brother. Let's, you know how a lot of people we take them in as a brother. The point is, a lot mm-hmm. of black people, a lot of black people have died under this man, and that's all I'm saying. Uh, Donald Trump, of course, is in there now. They got Mayor Giuliani of New York City. You can research this man. Well, uh, uh, Italian man, mm-hmm. uh, uh, mm-hmm. Mr. is going to repass this law called Stock and Thrift, which was yeah. a law that, that, mm-hmm. that, that law was supposed to be just outlawed. Now, you know about this. I don't even got to get into the racial crime. I don't even got to get into what white folks are saying. I tell a lot of you know, in one way, I hate to say this, I'm kind of glad that Donald Trump is in because. A lot of white people are racist in this society, okay? Not all, but a, bit, but, but a lot of them, the ones that's in power, you'll find it all. And you have a lot of, you know, the poor or, uh, class of white folk and your middle class, a lot of them have self-hatred towards black folk, not just themselves. So what I'm saying is, if you look on YouTube, you're starting to see a lot of white folks speak their mind. You start to see a lot of them since this Trump thing. I mean, I'm talking about youth everywhere. You see fights going on everywhere. There's black folks, yeah. white, whites, whites attacking black. So, and then of course Donald Trump said he said make America great again. I could talk about the blue, uh, what do they call that thing? The uh, New Deal. I'll talk about that later because some people, you know, this is what Donald Trump, you can research it, uh, the, the New Deal. So, I'm just saying that. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I, go ahead. I, I was just going to. Say anything coming from Donald Trump for our community, we don't want it. <laughs> we don't want it. And you know, 
you know what? Yeah. I just got to say that, you know, the, the whole uh, stop and frisk thing, um, you know, I'm yeah. sure he's going to do everything he can to bring it back, but the, if we really look at the reality, they don't even yeah. bother. They don't even bother to stop and do nothing. They're shooting. They are shooting us down in the streets. We're far away from them, but they're, they're, they fear for their lives. We don't have nothing in our hands, but they fear for their lives. So they, they, they aren't even bothering to get close enough to stop and frisk before they decide they're going to shoot us down. So, I mean, I don't know what that's going to do. It's not going to do nothing because they're, they're, they're shooting us down before they get even close enough to say, oh, is this person a threat? Is this person armed? No, we're just going to shoot them because we're going to get away with it. We're going to get paid yeah. vacation, and that's going to yeah. be that. That's it. Well, well, see, at the same time, here, here's the thing. I'm, I'm not going to deny that I'm not going to deny that we don't have black folks that's acting sexually in the black community. Hold on. I'm not going to deny that we don't have no, uh, as I would say, uh, black devils um, in the black community um, that are robbing and killing each other, predators, you know, where a lot of, a lot of times a black person will come up and try to do harm to a black person. And that's yeah, I mean, that I, don't think, I don't think any of us are denying that, you know, and I, I'm – you know, when people bring that up, you know, well, black people are killing each other. Yeah, we we are. We have issues we've got to deal with within our communities. I mean, we have young people that don't know nothing about where they've come from. They don't have any pride in their history because they don't know it. They do not have any idea of, you know, what came before them. And we have generations of oppression, of poverty, of pain of anger and we aren't giving these young people anywhere any tools to deal with it so yes we've got we've got stuff going on in our communities we are killing each other and that does need to be addressed but that has nothing to do with a criminal justice system shooting us down i agree with that 100 percent I'm only speaking for the people that may come and say, for an example, like, I look at both sides of the coin. That means I'm not going to turn a blind eye to other brothers that are terrorizing other black people. I'm not going to turn a blind eye to that. But what I will I hear say, wait, wait a minute, what I will, what I'm saying is, hold on, let me make this clear. I'm talking about us taking self-accountability of the black and black crime before we say Black Lives Matter when the white cops shoot us down because... Check this out. A lot of the police departments, they're making an excuse to kill us because we're not taking it in check. I'm not saying us. I'm saying uh, the, stop, the Stop the Violence Movement, the Black Matter Movement, needs to be in the hood, needs to be in a lot of major cities. The same way we get on uh, the police officers behind about shooting us, we also need to get on other black perpetrators. That's what I'm trying to say. That black folk, I don't believe that the police department should be police the black community. Now, maybe, maybe we, we have to come up with our own system of law to deal with black people versus what you're seeing here. Um, uh, if, you look at the Jewish, if you look at the Jewish people, they got a law passed where the police was not allowed to come in their community. Only because of the responsibility to deal with the crime. I'm saying that I we're going to have to uh, make that effort to deal with the crime one way or the other to keep our own community safe. 
Uh, we don't need the, the police to be doing that. And, and I've seen black people I've seen black people push out the drug dealers. I've seen black folks push out the gangsters and all that. And I've seen black people put their money together and build businesses mm-hmm. in the community. So what I'm saying is, no, no, no. First of all, the, the drugs and the guns in the community is the white thing. I know some people may not like this. And white folks, this is what they're doing. The black community has been socially engineered since slavery. That is a created environment. You empower the woman, you give her food stamps and governmental assistance, and, you un- and, and, and what you do is you unemploy the men, and then you put drugs and guns in that, in that same community. And uh, they have also did this to Hispanics and other different groups of people. It was an experiment. Before they did it to black folk here, the, the, a lot of the white people did it to their own people. They all, of course, they don't tell us that. And then they did it to Asians, other different groups. This is why you can go around in different communities and see some that resemble the black community. I know it may sound crazy. You can find, and then the whole ghetto goes back to the Italian people because white folk have the first ghetto. And, and, and that, that's never talked about. Your, your original masters and all that were white folks. Whether it was Italian, the Irish, some of the English criminals, they were white folks. You're criminals. Nobody's talking about that. That the all you keep thinking of is a black person when you mention criminal. But if you look at early American history, you will see the Irish and the Italian Caucasians are known criminals. And even white people, they were known for it to rob, steal, and everything. Nobody's talking about that. All I keep hearing is black criminals. I'm, I'm interested. With black men, say that they're the gangsters and the thugs, but we go look back in history, the Italians were. Al Capone, Erdogan, all of these different people. Nobody's talking about that. So what, what I'm saying is, is it seems like all of the criminality is looked at black people today, but the police to me are criminal. Uh, I want to also mention that. The police are criminal elements. They're just as criminal as the people that they are arresting. Okay, and well, that, so, yeah, okay. They're, they're, uh, they're Nazi-like. Yeah, there's no other way to put it, honestly, if you want to be completely blunt. Uh, brother, I appreciate the call. We got another call on the on the, uh, the other line. Uh, thanks so much for calling <laughs> in, and uh, all power to the people. Yes, sir. All right, take care. Um, to uh, the caller that was just on, I just wanted to say, uh, you know, we really appreciate you. I loved what you have to say. Please join us on. Um, on Facebook, uh, together we stand. Join our online uh, community there. We would love to have you um, what we got going on, and um, you know, continue to share your voice with us. So, indeed, Go well, we got another person sharing our, sharing their voice. Uh, who we got here? It's Tim Nolan. Tim, Tim my man, how are you doing uh, today? Good to hear your voice. All right. Yeah. How are you? I'm I'm doing well. Better than you. Better than you called. Always good to hear from you, uh, and uh, appreciate all the support you give Kevin Cooper, and 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 know he appreciates it as, as well. Let's go. Any more people giving support? Hey, have, you heard, have you heard of people are calling right now? I mean, I've been calling like twelve, fifteen times. Have <laughs> man, yeah, a couple people have called in. One uh, trying to find what he's saying. He was, he was saying, you need to hide. Uh, he said the police said, you need to hide when, when he called in. Uh, well, and the, the reason, I mean, 
we're doing this action uh, is, hey, again, we are as, uh, there's as big a chance of us committing that crime, that horrible crime in 1983, uh, than of him doing it. Uh, and he was right next door uh, to the murders. And he, and it's so obvious he didn't do it. And there's so much evidence that he didn't do it. Uh, and it's just, it's a, I mean, it's an example of the whole system. And we've, we've looked at, uh, you know, we've talked about Kev, uh, uh, Leonard Peltier the other day for his, uh, the National Day of Action for him. They pegged him because he was a man trying to help his people. Uh, and they've uh, denied medical care to him to this day, which is why it's so imperative to, to get him out with less than 70 days on the clock for him. And Kevin, they pegged him because he's black. And now I'm sure they, and I know they really don't want to let him out now because he's as woke of a human being as you are going to find on this planet. And then he scares the hell up, hell out of this system. And in fact, I, I just said. felt like a, yeah, that's, that is what he said. You're absolutely right. And, uh, and you, you know, they let him out. They let him out. They have to start looking at all these other men that, you know, are sitting on death row and sitting in prison uh, that, you know, under falsified evidence and under, you know, corrupt policing and manufactured shit. You know, I mean, it's yeah. it, it's going to start a snowball effect that they don't want no part of, but it's coming. It's coming because we aren't stopping. I mean, at some point, this this is going to come to an end. This system is not going to stay the same. We are not going to continue to sit here quietly and 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 watch our people. Uh, Even the Roman Empire fell. This is the modern day Roman Empire. And you, speaking of Kevin, I just got an email within the last couple of moments. Kevin wrote this out. Uh, to all of his supporters. This is pretty short, so I can share this pretty quickly. It says, after the 2000 election, the struggle continues. The same struggle you were speaking to, my sister, just now. This is Kevin Cooper writing to let the people who are helping me and supporting me in this ongoing fight for my life and release from this living hell that I am in, that we must and will continue to fight, even though Prop 62 to end the death penalty failed. And Prop 66 to speed it up past prop 66 for the most part in this this part that this is you, y'all we're gonna like this part prop, prop 66 for the most part does not apply to me or my case it does when it comes to the restitution i think though i'm not sure but as far as my legal attorneys and he's got some the best in the business or appeals it doesn't that's because I'm no longer in this state's criminal justice system or courts. He's all out of appeals. My plight as it stands right now is in the hands of Governor Brown. My request for clemency and my clemency petition are in his office in Sacramento right at this moment. I and my legal team, my legal team and I are staying focused on getting the governor to grant my clemency petition and investigate my case. If this happens, nothing else will matter. If not, then we will still have the option of going back to the governor, uh, to, to the excuse me, back to the California Supreme Court under a new law signed by Governor Brown. This law, this new law, concerns proving one's innocence uh, with new evidence, as my case did not does not qualify under this new law. 
here in 2016, in November 2016, I ask all of you to stay focused as well and continue to do whatever it is that you are because your health is so very important to me and to us. Last sentence, I thank you, I thank you for your understanding in this most important matter and in struggle and solidarity, Kevin Cooper. And I just got that email within, I got it at 2.54. So that was 10 minutes ago. Uh, and that's, that's Kevin. awesome. Yeah. Hey, Nolan. Yes. You know, you might want to tell the people, I don't know how many people uh, listening know, but you had that, um, that event where Kevin Cooper called in and you would ask mm-hmm. him, you said, what are you, what do you plan to do if you get out? And you remember what he said? Yeah. He said he's going to be right in the he streets said he's with us. Right in the streets protesting injustice with the people. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's an awesome dude. He is. Yeah, uh, he, um, and that's, I'm a, that's why we're fighting so hard for him. Yeah, I'm going to get off your Indeed. show. I got to take off in, in, a, in a few minutes. But, um, yeah, definitely when we did our last show on, on my show, um, we mm-hmm. didn't go into a lot of details. Like I told you, I'm putting another show together this week that's going to have a lot more details. So for anybody who doesn't know, who Kevin Cooper is will have something out with like all the details so you could you can understand how he was framed, how things were set up and what he's really up against. So that's kind of you know, I'll make sure that Nolan um forwards us the information because we can put it up on our website and and get it out Indeed. to our um followers as well. Because we definitely want to support what you're trying to do for him as it's well. A, we're glad that it's a great it's a great show. I've been on it uh, many times. I'm lucky to be on it. People's Radio United. You could follow uh, Tim's show and, and network uh, at People's, P-E-O-P-L-E-S-R-A-D-I-0, in the, as in the number. People's Radio, instead of the zero, it's, instead of the O, it's a zero. People's Radio. Tim, thanks so much for coming in. Uh, love you, my Ooh. man, and talk soon. Thanks so much for your help. All right, I appreciate all you do. Thank you, Winola. Bye. All right. right. That is uh, Tim Best Buzz, and you can follow him on Twitter at Tim Best Buzz B Z. Excuse me, D Z. I need sleep. Oh, that's I need sleep right now. That's that's what I'm, I, I need right now because I keep messing up letters. It's Tim Best Buzz T I M B E S T B U D Z. Tim Best Buzz D Z. There you go. Uh, and uh, t- Tim was nice enough to help me put this action together. Uh, and obviously, uh, my sister on, on the line with me right now uh, as well. And uh, I mean, like I said, we are as likely to have committed those murders in 1983 as he was. And he was right next door. Uh, that's. And I was 10 years old. And that's how. That's, yeah. So, okay. So. I was just as likely to commit the murders at 10 years old as Kevin Cooper was. So. Indeed. And and it was funny. uh, The first brother who was was calling, he's making some good points, like you were saying. uh, And when he brought up Giuliani, and (laughs) I mean, both parties lie like crazy, but more often, obviously, the GOP does. He said something uh, a couple years ago. He says, black and white people who are committed who commit murder are convicted at the same rate. Mm-hmm. That's funny because uh, in California, 
I've got some statistics. I wrote. I. I oh, go ahead. I do write, do you, do your stuff. I'll let you do. It. Go ahead. Black women first. Go ahead. No, Kick it. No. 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 You go ahead. I'm about to pull up my stuff while you go ahead. Hold on. Okay. You go ahead. I'm okay. Pull my stuff up. I'll set you up. I'll set you up. Okay. Well, first of all, uh, that's funny because in the state of California, there are about 20 million white people. Only about 4 million brothers and sisters walking around. For some reason, there's more black people on death row than white people. So there's two reasons. There's one or two reasons for that. The first reason is we are horrible. We are horrible people. We should probably all be in prison. Or the system's a little racist. It's a tiny bit racist. And that's the type of stuff that we, you know, <laughs> black and white people who commit murder are convicted at the same rate. Are you In this case, right now, we're talking about Kevin Cooper, three white men. There's evidence up the freaking yin-yang that it was three white men. And they would, now nah, nah, let them go do whatever they want to do. Let those killers do whatever they want to do. That's, that's great policing, by the way. Keep the, keeping the people safe, protecting and serving. Uh, and they just peg the black guy because he's black, literally. People, I get this question all the time, and I'm happy. I mean, it comes with the territory. I'm happy to answer a lot of questions, but I get this question all the time. Well, then, look at all this evidence. Kevin Cooper, if he didn't do it, why is he still in prison? Same answer. I get the same answer every time, literally. Because he's black. That's it. Because he's black. I get the same answer every single time. If he was white, he wouldn't have been pegged for this crime. He wouldn't have been arrested for this crime. He would have been convicted of this crime and being three hours and 42 minutes away from execution because of the color of his skin in the institution that we have now of modern slavery. The, uh, the mass incarceration, as Michelle Alexander has uh, put it so eloquently, uh, the new Jim Crow. But you go take it away, uh, Segui, with uh, your plethora well, of I mean... and facts. <laughs> Um, so I'll just cite a few things, okay? So we all know the ACLU, right? And they have done mm-hmm, many, many mm-hmm. studies, many, many studies. So um, read this to you, okay? Check it. Uh, there are significant racial disparities in sentencing decisions in the United States, which result from disparate uh, treatment of blacks at every stage of the criminal justice system and are consistent with a larger pattern of racial disparities that plague the U.S. criminal justice system. The human rights violations associated with such racial disparities are particularly egregious in the United States. Okay, so every, every single stage. And I I, I wrote a blog and I, it was, um, it was right after the Michael Brown murder, and um, there was a police officer who wrote uh, wrote a big piece, and he posted it all over the place, saying, you know, sorry, but not all lives matter, you know, um, you know, and and he just went on this rampage of ignorance and uh, racist stupidity, um, but you know, I went. And I and I took a look at uh, the statistics in um, policing and in uh, sentencing, and it's it, it's really frightening. But it is in every single every single stage of the game. I mean, we have. Uh, 
Yeah, all over the board, literally all over the board. It, it's not even. Yeah. It's it, it, that's the that's the thing, and there's two there's two sides to that. It's one. This has been going on since the Portuguese came over to our homeland and just dragged us against our will, and that hasn't stopped. And I continue to include uh, indigenous people when uh, Columbus came to the Caribbean in 1492 and effed everything up. But this has been the same narrative. And then you had a creation of a country put off of that, uh, are using all of that racism and, and even patriarchy and, and uh, transphobia, all this stuff. And I, I mean, not to go on a tangent, but it's all, it is all connected. All, these, all the oppressed people in this country are oppressed by the same system. There's no, it's not like 15 hands are messing with all of us. It's one specific hand. And Kevin so wonderfully put it, you know, and that, I, wonderfully, wonderfully, maybe the wrong word, but he put it very well uh, that what he went through uh, on that February day in 2004 was like a slave on the auction block and being, you know, sold off to die. The difference was uh, with him, he was being killed and on a different type of plantation, uh, and sadly, it would have been fairly immediate. Uh, the stories that nobody wants to read, publish, or teach our children, white, black, green, or red, uh, of slavery, they're awful. And I say this all the time, you look at the only genocide recognized in this country is the Holocaust. That's all we talk about. There are movies and TV movies and TV shows and books written about the Holocaust every 15 seconds. That lasted 12 years. That was horrible. It should never happen again. It shouldn't happen in the first place. The Nazis were despicable. No question about that. That lasted 12 years. Our genocide is still happening. It's lasted over 500 years. And it's a double genocide, including indigenous people who should still own this land. I'm, not, I'm in Los Angeles. This is Tongva land. This is Tongva land. This should not be anybody else's land but theirs. And there's so many, there was 2,000-plus tribes before colonialism. In the U.S., there's less than 700. And 100 of those aren't even federally recognized. And there's a whole blood quantum thing, and I'm getting off on a tangent, that's so horrible. The blood quantum thing, like uh, you've said before to me, and even publicly, that for some brothers and sisters, you're not black enough, which is just, that plays right into white, white supremacy right there. You're not... You have somebody fighting every second of every day for her people, and she's not black enough. I, I mean, gee, uh, I, get the, I get the thing where it's, uh, oh, well, you're half white. I'm like, well, yes, I am technically half white, but nobody cares that I'm half white. The police certainly never give me the white privilege. <laughs> give me the half white privilege. Uh, card. I've been searching for that privilege for a long time. I've never gotten it. I'm still waiting for it because apparently being half-white gives you some kind of advantage. I, I, not at all in terms of uh, the privilege in this country. Uh, but this has been going on for so long and it hasn't stopped. It's only evolved. And I've heard some a couple of people say like, well, how can you compare the Holocaust with this? Because, you know, it's different. Well, okay, obviously everything is different. But a genocide is a genocide, and there's been studies on, you know, what would have happened if the Holocaust had continued. Well, let's be, let's be realistic about this. Let's be logical about this. Uh, 
if the Holocaust continued and the Germans won the war, well, they would have probably had to be a little smarter and covert about their uh, racial killings. You know, just like the United States has been. They, it's harder for them to lynch a black person in the street. It's harder for them to scalp a native person. It's, you know, it's much, much harder to do that with all these cameras around. Uh, so people, well, you know, they're not, America's not really being that bad to you. Well, as we just laid out a bunch of stats, not really. There's 60,000. And, so, and, and they just happen to shut their cameras off or they just happen to not work or they just happen to be pointing in the wrong direction or they just happen to get lost. The footage just happens to be erased. I mean, come the fuck on. Sorry. That's why... <laughs> I had to. I had to change the. Ra- That's why I had to change the rating of the show because you know, it doesn't always. It doesn't always say what it should should say. So we'll just put it like that. <laughs> that's 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 freaking beautiful. Uh, I didn't even know you did that, but that's hilarious. <laughs> wow. Uh, but th- yeah, that. Uh, that uh, look at, I mean, you can just go on and on and on and on and on. Stats and uh, situations. There's sixty thousand missing black women in the United States. There are, 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 are thousands more missing or murdered Indigenous women in the U.S. and Canada. Uh, but all you want to talk about is us getting upset and rioting sometimes at protests, which, by the way, you should not say anything about unless you actually kill somebody. Uh, be quiet. And <laughs> there was, a, granted, it was, it was not, from what I understand, and I'm not going to see it because there was a uh, rape scene in the movie uh, Birth of a Nation that was fictional, and having a rapist create a rape scene that was fictional in the movie, no thanks. But nevertheless, if the movie had been better, uh, better uh, made, I think we would have had able to have a serious conversation about the anger of black people and native people and colored people and and women and oppressed people in this country because black people have and indigenous people every right to hate white people if we want i don't for one i'm half white so that'd be kind of weird but all things considered are the things we have to go through day to day to day we've never gotten reparations we've never gotten a legit apology uh, Native people still having their land taken away. Go to Standing Rock if you don't believe me. Uh, the women are in more danger than any other group of people in North or South America, maybe the world. So yeah, they're being put in dog kennels as we speak oh, because gosh, they're trying yeah. to protect their land and and the water that their people rightfully, you know, deserve and and own. But they deserve to be in a dog kennel, right? Yeah. Uh, Tara, I, I mean, uh, Natani Means had to deal with that, and, and people couldn't even find him for a, a number of days. And thankfully, Tara Hauschka, the, the wonderful, I mean, these are wonderful people I'm, I'm just mentioning, but thankfully she got out of there after uh, a number of hours. But my gosh, that, yeah, that's, that's the stuff we have to deal with. And what people don't get is like, uh, yeah, we're angry. Of course we're angry. It's like being hit in the face over and over and over and over and over and over again, and you don't get an apology, and then someone goes comes to you and goes, "Why are you so upset?" I have no idea why I'm upset. I, 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 it's, I'm at a loss of why I'm upset. My face is dripping with blood. 
my nose is broken, uh, but I don't know why I'm upset. So that, I mean, and it's the same thing with every woman on the planet. If they, if they hate men, hey, I, I don't blame you. I hate men sometimes. I, I, I'm not, and I'm a guy. Uh, but we, these are the discussions that are so hard to have. And it goes back to my point uh, early in the show of, look, uh, something apparently is, <laughs> is scary to think about, but apparently as Toronto University and the study they did, there's something in white people's brains that makes them less empathetic to colored people. I mean, sorry, I'm reporting uh, you know, factual information. Sorry, a study done by a college that has not been refuted that I know. Uh, men are very complicit in rape culture. So if you're a woman, it kind of, you're hitting your head against a, a brick wall trying to convince the, uh, the majority of men about rape culture, because we're not going to listen for the most of us. It's sad, but it's the truth. It's the same thing with colored people trying to convince and get white people on our side in terms of the majority. It's not going to happen. It sucks. <laughs> it's just the way it is. So we need to come together, you know, as uh, women, uh, Arab people, Native people, Black people, trans people, gay people, etc. And I always try to get things to be simple when they need to be. Look at the numbers. There's 300 million plus people in the United States. Half of them are women. So right there, half are oppressed. Not all men are straight. Bam! There are more oppressed people than privileged people in the United States. The numbers are there. We have the numbers. We just need to get on the same page to take this system down. And to take it down to save people like Kevin Cooper, this second is suffering a hell that none of us, that none of us can even imagine. And both of the people on the show right now are black in America. One of them is a black woman in America. So that says a lot. And I implore you to do whatever you can to help Kevin. One of those things is writing Kevin, again, just to save you an annoying trip to the post office. Write Kevin a letter and support. Tell him you support him. And send it to my email so it saves you a trip. Nolan, a W hack at Gmail, N O L A N A W H A C K at Gmail. Also, write the governor, Governor Brown. It's governor at governor.ca.gov. Pretty simple. Pretty simple. Governor at governor.ca.gov. Those two things, very helpful. Uh, and also, you could uh, contribute to the action going ongoing right now. Uh, you can. There's, I've retweeted it about 55 times. Tim uh, set this part up for us, thank, uh, thankfully. Uh, yeah, I'll just, I'll just read it off. Uh, Kevin Cooper needs your help on Monday, November 14th, uh, now. <laughs> and uh, call in to uh, 909-387-3545. That is the San Bernardino Sheriff's Department, uh, the same place that Kevin was illegally housed during his sham and slave-like trial uh, back in the mid-80s. Uh, and you can confess to the crime that Kevin Cooper was illegally convicted for, because like we've said, we, anybody else is, other than the three people who did the crime are as likely as Kevin to have committed the crime that he was illegally convicted for. And five, one, two, three, four, five federal judges 
have publicly come out and said, uh, yeah, Kevin, uh, all the evidence says Kevin's innocent, including the American Bar Association. And my father's a lawyer, so I happen to know they're very right-leaning, kind of racist. So for them to come out in support of Kevin, show you how ridiculous, how dumbfounding this case is. I don't even know if that's a word. And you can dock me a couple points if that's not a word. But this is how ridiculous this case is that we have these kinds of people and so many groups, the United Nations have come out actually publicly, Amnesty International. So everybody but the state, this system, and this government is for Kevin and understands Kevin is innocent. And he has never had – go ahead. Nobody's interested in these uh... – Disgusting, scary people that are. Wait, so yeah, say, say it again. Uh, uh, I think we had a cut out there. I know you're calling in. Say, are you still there? COINTELPRO, COINTELPRO, are you online screwing things up? Okay, she, she's going to call back if she can't hear what I'm saying uh, or say anything. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, but to continue the, with the point she was making, nobody wants to deal with that. And, um, like I say, it's all connected. There, how many men are like, no, 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 fake. This is male privilege. Give me a break. No, no, no. Because we don't want to admit that, one, we're in power, and, two, hey, we're kind of screwing things up for a, a group of people. And we don't want to look at all the horrible things that we continue to do. And Segui, I think, is back on the line. Yes, maybe. Ms. Fernandez? She's COINTELPRO. Yeah. Speaking of COINTELPRO, do you know, do you know, uh, gentlemen and ladies listening to this call, uh, that the feds actually down our Facebook page for our National Day of Action for Leonard Feltier. And the funny story I like to tell uh, is that happened at the exact same time. I was in Oakland, California for the Black Panthers 50th anniversary celebration. And we, I was at a panel uh, that, they, that was given by the original, original Rainbow Coalition. And they were talking about COINTELPRO. <laughs> so then I look at my phone. It says, uh, Clemency National Day of Action for Leonard Peltier event page has been deleted. And I'm like, why would any, who's the, I didn't delete it. Tevi didn't delete it. I don't even have access to delete it. She's the only one who has access to delete it. I text her and say, did you delete it? I'm like, delete what? And she did, no, I didn't delete it. And, uh, Slowly, we figured out what had happened. And I think my partner's on the call now. Again? Yeah, oh, wow. Oh, there it is. I was like, maybe I should really stop talking about the people oppressing us, because maybe then uh, we can actually <laughs> have a conversation instead of, of talking all this smack talk that they call smack talk. That, that's, the, that, that's, that, that's fun. I mean, it's not funny to me. It's exhausting. But when you call out and I've seen black people do this, too. When you call out the crimes of this nation and the people committing the crimes in government or what have you, it was Zimmerman, whatever, 
you you labeled a conspiracy theorist uh, or someone who hates America. By the way, I do because uh, it hated me first. Um, but you you labeled as this like, crazy person, which is it's it's incredible. It's it's like what, look at the look at the look at the uh, the global warming thing. You have irrefutable proof, undeniable proof that the world is going to hell in a handbasket because of all the toxic things we're putting up in the air. It's undeniable. But for some reason, you, people argue it. And uh, to his credit, even though he has contributed to uh, his share of, of racism and erasure and helped Donald Trump get elected by talking about him every five seconds, John Oliver had a very good segment on his show a while back about climate change. It's like having because he broke it down mathematically. I think it's like 96% of people agree with uh, climate change, agree with, accept that it's a thing. And 4% don't. So he had 96 people in a room pro-climate change <laughs> or accepted it. And then four people who deny it. And then they had a conversation. That's the type of stuff we're dealing with, uh, with racism, evil of the system. We have a caller on the line now. Uh, caller, uh, what's your name and how are you doing? Hello? 612, where you at? Hello? Nope. Okay. And call drop. If I had a nickel for all the calls that were dropped on me, and uh, my gosh, I think it's, I've I've said this to people, I, I should take it as an honor that the LAPD and New York PD have tapped my phone. I think it's a badge of, of honor that I that is actually happening. Are oh, you having beat? Well, you should. You should. You've been doing this for much longer time. I'm sorry. You've been doing this for a couple more years than I have. Just a couple. I know. I know. I have uh, Louisiana and Texas on that list too. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, so we'll see. I'm working on working on Denver. So hi, Hello, Denver. How are you? <laughs> oh, Kimberly was trying to call in. I'm going to tell her to call, call back. Yeah, Kimberly Ann, who did an incredible, incredible job uh, putting together uh, one of our actions on Saturday for Men and Felt Cheer, the one in Mi- Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, with uh, Tonja uh, Hosley. And, uh, she's uh, one of the Together We Stand board members. and she's One of the board members. And she should be incredible. Yep, and she yeah. actually heads up our our youth discrimination uh, division and our education discrimination division. So she's she's an incredible woman, and I am like so so blessed to have found her for sure. I'm I'm glad uh, to work with her and to know her as well. Uh, and that's the that's the type of stuff we need. I mean that uh, we're we're dying out here. It's that simple. Uh, yeah, well, and while we give her a chance to call back in, I'm just going to let our listeners know if there's, you know, new folks who've tuned in. Um, that Together We Stand is an, an organization that advocates for victims of racism, discrimination, and police brutality. If you need help, uh, you can uh, reach us. 
at 1-800-528-1084. You can leave a confidential message at that number, and somebody will return your call as soon as possible. And you can also uh, find us on Facebook and Twitter at PWS Revolution and uh, get in touch with us that way. And uh, if you need help, we will help you, and we will never ask for a penny. And uh, I just want to, on that note, say that, you know, if you're in a situation and you're needing help uh, on matters like this and there are people telling you that they'll help you out, they'll advocate for you, and then they ask you for a check, run, because you should never, ever, ever have somebody prey upon you when you're in a situation like this. And sadly, there are a lot of fools out there doing just that, and um, and it's pretty disgusting. And uh, I have no problem calling them out when they do so. So I just want to let everybody know that as you witness these things, as you experience these things in this country, there are people uh, like us that do want to help you. Um, and we work with some incredible uh, organizations like Open Circle out here in the Bay Area. Uh, they're a great support network for families who have lost loved ones to um, police murder. And um, the NAAPB, National Association Against Police Brutality, um, headed up by Jonathan Newton out of Washington, D.C. They're doing amazing things as well. Um, we're just uh, very fortunate to have great colleagues, and uh, there are resources out there that are free of charge uh, for people that need it. So there's my and, spiel. Uh, yeah, well, I, I, the reason why I joined the organization is that it does so many great things, and uh, sometimes I... I feel and see myself uh, taking on too many cases and too many different things, but that's not at all in comparison to Segui uh, uh, Fernandez. So, uh, yeah, definitely any, if you're even uh, kind of interested, and uh, it gives you a lot of freedom to, I mean, if you, you could be a part of the organization, but your voice is heard and there's uh, so many different things to help with uh, there's no real. The only agenda is equality and tearing the system apart, uh, which I think people kind of lose sight of what we're doing. I mean, what what we're all doing in the movement is the one specific thing. There's only one thing we're looking for is uh, freedom. There's nothing, nothing else. <laughs> nothing else. Yeah, there. and I think a lot of times people don't know what they can do. You know, and they they just aren't aware of of what they can do, they've got limited time, you know, they've got, you know, life. And, you know, there are there are ways that you can get involved just, you know, spending five minutes of your day sitting in your house. Um, you know, if you go to our website, uh, togetherwestand.nationbuilder.com um, and click on our volunteer um, button, and it gives you lots of different opportunities. And, um, you know, some of them... You know, take a lot of effort if that's something that you're wanting to get involved with and and helping us with cases and research and things like that. You know, we definitely can use all the help we can get, but there's there's other ways to get involved, just like sending an email or signing a petition. And um, there's always some little set every person can take 
um, you just have to, you know, know where to look, and and we're happy to help direct you. And I just wanted to to say one more thing is that we have a one of our wonderful board members, um, Carol, is putting together a resource page for victims of uh, domestic violence, sex trafficking, and sexual assault. And uh, we should have that up hopefully uh, by the beginning of 2017. And um, so we're really, yeah, we're really hoping that we can um, offer uh, uh, as many resources as possible, mental health resources as well for victims. And um, so, Definitely uh, check us out on that. Well, yeah, and indeed, <laughs> yeah, you maybe you should be an ad salesman on the side. Uh, that way, we can get some more cash <laughs> because uh, this job, this line of work doesn't really pay, uh, and if it does, not very well. Uh, yeah. But um, yeah. As for uh, Mr. Uh, as for Mr. Cooper. Um, I, 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 I should finish the uh, essay that he wrote about his near execution because it, it is incredible. Um, or at least re- read the, 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 the bullet points. Um, so the, the, where I left off was when uh, it was about four hours until, uh, well, close to that. Close to that four-hour mark that was so terrifying. Uh so he uh, is talking about how the, his body was examined like a slave on the oxen block. Uh, he took his hand. I'm now quoting Kevin. He took his can, hand. I don't remember which one. And he searched my hair and he did so very roughly. He then told me to stick my tongue out, uh, which I did. And he started to search me once again, my mouth uh, and search my mouth, taking his good old time. Uh, he told me to put my hands down at my side and told me to lift my penis. And he searched it. Then he told me to lift my scrotum, and he searched them. Uh, I was told to turn around and lift my feet one at a time off the floor and wiggle my toes, first the right foot, then the left foot. Uh, Then I was told uh, to spread my butt cheeks and to bend over, which I did, and he shined his light uh, up my rectum to illuminate my insides so he could see what was inside me, which was nothing. He was on his knees while I was bent over, and he was trying to humiliate me in front of those other executioners, telling me in his actions that he could, they could do anything that they wanted to me, and I could do nothing to stop them. Because if I did, they would beat me and beat me up, then beat me down without the knowledge of anybody outside of that room. Finally, after what seemed like an eternity, the strip search, search, strip search was over. I was then uh, given the brand new clothes to put on that I was supposed to be executed in. What kind of sadistic game do they, cre- do they create for us? My gosh. Sorry to get off the essay. Excuse me. Okay. I was supposed to be executed. In. I once again looked at that clock as looked at that clock, and it was now a few minutes after seven. I was placed inside a cage to wait until I would uh, be taken to the death chamber and executed. Uh, Janine uh, Steinberg called me on the prison phone and told me that the state did indeed appeal the uh, stay uh, to the U.S. Supreme Court. At this point, there was a finally granted a stay of execution, but the state appealed the Supreme Court so they can go ahead and kill him. Uh, Back to Kevin. And as soon as she heard from that court one way or another, 
she would call me and let me know. While I waited in that cage, my pastor was allowed to come in and be in the cage. Uh, this is a human being, by the way, uh, anybody, a human being, Kevin Cooper is a human man in a cage, which is in a different cage, thankfully not to get at the, the death chamber, but uh, it, on death row right now uh, in prison. Uh, and he says, uh, be in the cage uh, with me. Uh, be, actually, be in the cage next to the one I was in, is what he says, uh, talking about his pastor. She was praying for me and those executioners as well as reading scriptures to me. Then they started that, do you want a last meal stuff again? And he refused a last meal. Uh, this time telling me uh, that I still had time to order my last meal, in quotes. The warden at the time here at San Quentin Prison was Janine uh, Denny uh, Woodford. Uh, and she came inside the death chamber waiting room giving orders to the guards that and not even acknowledging my presence. So this was, while this was going on, up until around 8.17, when out of nowhere the telephone uh, rang, it was so quiet inside the death chamber that when the phone rung, it shocked uh, everyone. The guard in, the, in charge of the telephone handed it to me, and on the other end was Janine Steinberg. She told me that in a unanimous decision, the Supreme Court of the United States refused to lift the stay of, stay of execution that the Ninth Circuit had granted me earlier that day. At this point in time, it was my understanding that this was a first as well. I gave the phone back to the guard who handed it to me first. Then I told the rest of the executioners that they were not going to do their job tonight. That's my favorite part of the whole essay. They were not going to do their job tonight. And the reason why, I told them why, uh, why they were not able to do their job tonight. I saw real disappointment on the faces of those executioners. I then turned and told my pastor what Janine told me. A few minutes later, the warden came into the waiting room and told all the guards to stand down because no execution was taking place, was going to take place. I told her before she left the room that I forgave her for what she was going to do to me. Uh, she just walked out of that room not acknowledging me or my words. I was removed from the death chamber and taken back upstairs to that cage, another cage, uh, in North Seg. I was then brought food, <laughs> which I did eat. The next morning, uh, even though it was not a regular visiting, visiting, visiting day, Zanetta did come to see me just like she said she would. Uh, and then it goes on to, I mean, it, the whole thing's uh, on my Twitter page, uh, on, a, on the pinned tweet, and I believe it's also on SaveKevinCooper.org. Uh, and he goes on to I'll see if I can read any more of this uh, so it's not long. Yeah, the roller, uh, I'll just share this. Uh, they have ruled that the United States, uh, by the way, of California has an eight separate instances, eight, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight instances denied my right to due process during my trial and appeals, including evidence mishandling, evidence destruction, and evidence tampering by law enforcement and prosecution, and the prosecution. There's another first for a uh, death row inmate here in California. Yet, despite all of these firsts, I'm still, once again, facing executions for murders that I did not commit. This roller coaster ride that I am on and have been on for the last 30 years is more than enough to drive anyone insane, yet I'm still as whole as I can be under my present circumstances. And I can vouch for that because he is so darn intelligent 
and has his marbles together like no other. It's incredible. Uh, now we must for coming to the hands of the governor. This is no certainty either, especially considering the fact that the current district attorney of the county has wrongfully convicted me of these murders uh, when, uh, to, when it went to Sacramento a couple years ago, asking the current governor to switch a one uh, to switch to a one drug execution method, and then telling me telling him about me and why I should be executed, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, so this well is, now is this district attorney still up there at this point in time? For still up there. And um, still, yeah. Has anybody challenged him publicly? Um, there. I mean, there's a whole. That's a whole. If we had another hour, I'd explain. <laughs> Boy, that's a whole um, nother ball of wax. Educate me on that and another time, but you know we can we can throw some weight behind. Yeah, we, we yeah we can that. make that another time. I will share this one other thing because uh, as someone on my Twitter page, because I, I I can't remember I, I probably tweeted at him first or something, but uh, it's a brother who was talking about oh I know what it was it was about how racist Trump is and he is. But then he said, uh, hashtag I'm with her. And I'm like, well, but wait, but she's racist too. Uh, and then he went on to deny that she's not racist. She hasn't done anything bad to colored people. Well, let me read this one part and then we could go on to, you know, close the show out. (laughs) And this is Kevin Cooper's words again, since that stay of execution, I have been back to the same federal district judge who is not, who, had denied me throughout my fight for the relief in the courts, for relief in the courts. She once again rubber stamped my case through her court, not even doing what the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals ordered her to do when they sent my case back to her after that stay. I was again denied by damn near the three same, the same three judge panel that denied me before, even though one of the judges wrote a concurring stating in so many words uh, that the case against me is corrupt. Now here is the Clinton factor. Kevin's words, not mine. But because of the Anti-Terrorism Effective Death Penalty Act, which is a clause in the Clinton crime bill passed in 1994 when she called us super predators on camera, Death Penalty Act, uh, Anti-Terrorism Effective Death Penalty Act of 1996, she could not grant me relief. I was denied an N-band panel this time, but did receive an unprecedented 11-judge dissent from the Ninth Circuit Court, in uh, which five, of, uh, five judges, who were our federal judges, stated that the state of California may be about to execute, uh, execute an innocent man. So anybody... And there's a lot of them because she got like 60 million votes or whatever the hell it was. Who thinks Hillary Clinton and the system in general, Democrat, Republican, I don't care what you are, uh, likes colored people or doesn't harm colored people. Go argue with a man who's had 30 plus years taken away, who's almost 60, been on death longer than he's been out of prison and in society. He's had no children. He hasn't got married. Can you imagine for five seconds what that is like what how do you deal with something like that but again this is the system that we're dealing with this is the system that was created to exterminate one race indigenous people and they've done a decent job of that thankfully they haven't completed the job 98 percent of native people have been killed they're down to 
5.2 million, 100 million of them and counting have been killed. And to destroy another race and keep us in, in, in so that's what we're dealing with to this day. And Kevin Cooper and Leonard Peltier are two serious examples, the most serious examples uh, of that from this double genocide that was lasted five decades uh, without actually killing one of them. And I hope to God that never happened. And we're fighting tooth and nail. That's why we're on the show right now. That's why we had this action uh, that has another... So 11 minutes on the clock. Uh, and again, anything you can do, there's a pin tweet on my Twitter page at Nolan Hack, N-O-L-A-N-H-A-C-K. All the information about how effed up the case is, all the information about the facts of the case, uh, what the judges, the federal judges uh, said in the dissent, uh, how you can help Kevin. Um, yeah, so please, please, please do so. Not just because this is, one of our people, but because this is one of my friends, and I do not want to see him perish because of the color of his skin. Um, I've been talking for too long, so Segby, say something. <laughs> no, well, you know what? You are definitely the man who has been on a mission with Kevin and had a chance to uh, create a personal relationship with him, so it's, it's, it's good that you are the one you know, speaking up on his behalf like this. And, um, you know, I just, I think that, you know, we just need to, uh, again, encourage people to contact uh, Governor Brown. Um, pretty easy to do. You want to tell them the, the email address one more time? Your brain yeah, is uh, this point. <laughs> the, and it's an easy email address. Folks, it's governor at governor.ca.gov. And uh, governor is spelled G O V E R N O R. So it's governor at governor.ca.gov. And one thing I've, I am asking you to do out of the bottom of my heart please write to Kevin and show your support to Kevin Cooper, an innocent man who's had over 30 years of his life taken away because of the color of his skin and because he is a black person. And I will do your. I, I will do the annoying job of going to the post office for you. Just send the letter to Kevin Cooper, and I will address it from you. Uh, send it to Nolan A W Hack at Gmail dot com. N O L A N A W H A C K at Gmail dot com. And as I, as we read during the show, that type of support means the world to Kevin Cooper, and has kept him going this long. So please do write Absolutely. to Kevin. I mean, imagine the, you know, just utter isolation along with the psychological effects of having to deal with this. He suffers from, suffers from PTSD, folks, because of uh, being nearly killed and three hours and 42 minutes away from being killed. And yeah. that, yeah, yeah, honestly. <laughs> uh, and the, Thankfully, uh, and I've, uh, since Kevin shared it, I shared it uh, publicly, uh, 66 does not have as an immediate effect as everybody on his legal team and, and, and on his team as we thought, uh, because we were fighting so hard to get 62 passed, even though that had some ugly, disgusting stuff in it. 
and we tried to get 66 to make sure it didn't pass, but it went the exact opposite way. And um, the reason we fought so hard was because the fear was he would get, he could get his execution be scheduled like the day after the election because, again, this guy's been on death row for 10 years longer than anybody else who's been executed in the state of California since uh, 1978. So he's first on their hit list, innocent or not. He is, and he is very innocent. He's as innocent of any crime as anybody's ever been in the history of the universe. But he's on the top of their hit list. That's why we need to do everything we can to save Kevin Cooper. Uh, and even though, yes, the, it doesn't have an immediate effect as we all feared, they're still pushing very hard to make sure they can schedule it soon. Uh, they took the moratorium off in part to try to kill him because he's been on there so long. Um, so again, do whatever you can, even if it's just, just writing him a letter and writing Governor Brown a letter asking for clemency uh, and, and for a new trial for Kevin. Because, again, his first trial was out of slave times. His uh, appointed public defender, I mean, it can't be proven, but just based on how incompetent he was, he probably tried to kill him. It, be, it would not be a stretch of the imagination to say, well, he's probably, he could have been paid by the other side to make sure that Kevin was uh, lost that case and was convicted, which happened. And, um, exactly. Yeah. And, and, look at, and, and, and look at the judges who stepped forward now since then and said, uh, you know, this man yeah. very well could be innocent and you are still trying to execute him. That is unacceptable. I mean, it's not a justice system. And, um, you know, those of you who are in California, uh, we need to hold our governor to task on this. Um, it is unacceptable. Uh, we are a society of human beings uh, with feelings and, and love and, uh, you know, we have emotion and we need to show that. Uh, stop being such individualistic, uh, cold-hearted animals that just don't give a shit about anybody unless it personally affects us. Uh, it goes my mouth again, but, you know, so. sadly, the reality oh, that I see on a regular basis, um, and it disgusts me. Not, you know, yeah. I, I am pleased to say that every day some new folks join in this revolution, um, and it's continuing. Um, nobody should be okay with what's going on. Uh, I don't care what color you are. I, I don't, mm-hmm. and I, I, CWS has clients who have been brutalized by the police who are white. We don't care. I mean, it's, 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 it's a culture of uh, brutality uh, at this point that's going on in our law enforcement system, and it's not necessarily always people of color. Certainly the, uh, the numbers are much, much higher for people of color, but it does happen for everybody. And we help anybody. We don't care. Indeed. You know? Unlike the, uh, the, which is so ironic and shows you how bizarre the English language is, uh, all lives matter literally means something. <laughs> well, let's just say white male lives matter. <laughs> let's change it. <laughs> there you go. 
white male lives uh, matter. But uh, yeah, Zachary Hammond was killed by the police a couple of years ago, and he was he was he was a kid. He was, was 17 years old. Jesse Jacobs uh, was uh, a white a gay man, 32 years old, died in jail in Texas. And I've heard no yeah. news since then about those two gentlemen who died yeah. illegally and yeah. should still be on this planet, especially that kid. I don't want to. I don't want to put one of the scratch that. One of them was a kid. I, 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 I just, want to mention. Like oh, you know, I want to mention Ryan Dietrich. Um, his brother Holly um, contacted us. You know, Ryan. Uh, you know, suffered from mental illness and, and and he had substance abuse issues and 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 you know the police knew this and they just brutally executed this kid. So unnecessarily, um, you know, it's just, um, you know, people are losing their babies, you know, uh, their mothers, their fathers, their brothers, their sisters, and, um, and we we have to we have to stand up and take a, take a look at this, and we have to truly truly uh, make a new system because. As I said before, and I'll always say, this system is doing exactly what it was made mm-hmm. and meant to do, which is to kill and oppress people of color. And now, sadly, because of the evolution of the violence in uh, the good old boy network, you know, it, there are people of every single color dying. White folks are starting to pay the price, too. So you wake up and do something. And that 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 right there, uh, the reform is just a evolving form of racism, and and uh, the genocidal state that we live in. Uh, the crime bill was reform, uh, you know. The the New Deal was reform, but that didn't, didn't include black or native people. So this is we need an eradication of this system, uh, and we say that uh, as we go off the air and again anything and everything you can do to help save kevin cooper's life please do and i will mention these two things again uh write to kevin cooper to show your support of him and just send it to me and i'll send it through mail with your name nolan awhack at gmail.com n-o-l-a-n-h-a-c-k at gmail.com and send it to the governor asking for clemency in a new trial governor at governor.ca.gov governor brown so and it's been keep, great. Uh, uh, totally. Keep following this podcast. We're new, but we're about to bring it. And, uh, you know, TWS is about bringing about a revolution, and uh, we intend to do so, and we want you to be a part of it. So thank you, Nolan, for everything. Bye, all, and no doubt. See you all later.